Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Good afternoon to you. It's 12.04 and afternoons with Staffy. Stephen McIver and Seat to 3 uh, before the lads come in and run it straight uh, as we look forward to the new NRL season. Lots happening your way before 3 o'clock this afternoon. Shortly we're going to talk to David Latelli, uh, the brown butterbean, about what is going on as far as his drive to make sure people in his area and around the Auckland region are safe and have what they need after the floods. Now we're talking two weeks ago. I also want to talk to David about you know how he would approach uh, the situation as far as uh, uh, the east coast of the North Island is concerned. He is he is one of life's angels. We'll talk to him in just a moment. Brendan White, the promoter of D1NZ and the recent motorsport series, the Super Sprint series, joins us at one o'clock to talk about how you get something like that done and organised in under six months and then travel around the country five back-to-back weekends. He'll also update us on the latest as to when D1NZ's round two will be at Mount Smart. I believe they are pushing it to a Saturday Sunday, not a Friday, Saturday. Justin Morgan, the assistant coach of the One New Zealand Warriors, will come your way at 1.30. Talk about that first match, but also uh, about the side they have named. It is a bumper side. Black cap Daryl Mitchell at two, and a whole lot more coming your way with Mania, Finn Bob and myself on Afternoons with Staffy. Two weeks ago, Auckland suffered... Floods, bad, bad floods. Since then, we've had Cyclone Gabriel and the place is in a mess, but it's also a mess around the rest of the country. If you are still struggling, hopefully if you're listening on an AM radio station somewhere or FM listening to us, we are thinking of you. You are not forgotten. One man that does not forget anyone, does not leave anyone as awake. He will go to the mountaintop and back to make sure that his people and people around are being looked after is the brown butterbean, David Latelli. He joins me right now. G'day, Dave. Hey, bro, how's it going? Mate, it's good. How are you going at the moment? Oh, look, you know, uh, me and the team are pretty uh, tired. Um, and, you know, we're three weeks in now from the floods and then now the cyclone and, and it, it doesn't look like the need's going to be, well, we know it's not disappearing anytime soon. So, um, yeah, we're in for it. It's a marathon, you know. Look, it's two weeks since. So as soon as the floods hit, you you jumped into action faster than any governmental agency. How quick was the response to a call from Dave Lotelli from from suppliers, from people willing to help? Oh, look, it was instant. Um, one of the things, I guess, you know, from back in my old boxing days, we, we've managed to form a, a really good social media platform 
um, which we've utilised. You know, we put a call out, um, and within a, the first, you know, within a minute, um, Lockie from Pakistan Monaco rang up to go down and get whatever you need. Um, foodstuffs called up, gave us 20 grand straight away, put it on account at Pakistan Monaco. So, uh, and then the general public, all they needed was somewhere. You know, we, people wanted to help, but they didn't know where to go. You know. To, to drop off mm. supplies. So as soon as we gave them that uh, uh, point where they could come to and, and deliver, it just we were just inundated. So it just gave because we didn't have much stock here at our our food bank. You know, mm-hmm. we were just it was always just in the background. And so, but uh, we scaled up very very quickly. Dave, can you give us an indication as to the scale of what you were dealing with? Oh man, it's. You know, like, uh, so just in one of the civil, civil so sorry, the, the, the main Mangere evacuation centre at the leisure centre, um, I got the stats from a couple of days, it just, that was up to um, like Tuesday, it was over 10,000 parcels, and that's just Mangere. Um, you know, then there's the Randwick Park we're looking after, there's um, the, the new one that the, in the leisure centre in Marerewa, and then there's, you know, all the smaller ones that we're looking after in Helensville and just, we're, it's just community groups helping each other. So it's just huge, um, immeasurable. Like it's, it's, and then, you know, you, but then you hear those numbers, but it's not until sometimes you pack your parcels and you're, you know, and you're just in it, you know, and, you're, and your mind's not thinking. You're just packing, 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 trying to get money, trying to get supplies. And then, then you go and do a delivery and then it hits home when you're seeing freaking uh, a parent and a kid sleeping on a table. Uh, you see um, crying order, whole blocks, whole streets of crying order homes uh, left to defend for themselves. Um, just only the carpets being ripped out. Who knows if the place is clean? Just had a whole bunch of basically water filled with crap run through their house. Um, they've got no furniture, no beds, no fridge. Um, it's just, it's unbelievable. So, so uh, you jump into action. What has been the response from government since then? Look, um, I have to give uh, give props to um, you know me. I'm not one to give props to the government that often. But, um, <laughs> administrator, Ministry of Social Development have been amazing. Um, uh, come, you know, and it's led by Carmel Cipollone, who's been who's always looked, uh, listened to the, what we're saying at ground ground zero at grassroots. Um, so they've been good. They've jumped into action quicker than any other government department uh, that's out there. You know, and the council is a disgrace. You know, and I'm not talking about the local councillors that are on the ground, like in Manga, they're working with us. But how can you have Māori wardens and, you know, not having, you know, uh, fuel vouchers? You know, you've got councillors still ringing up Auckland Emergency Management. We need fuel vouchers for, for these volunteers that have been here for the last three weeks. You know, it's just it's just so slow. So I just told them down there, look, whatever you need, you just tell me, I'll go and buy it. Don't worry about it. You know, rather than rather than wait, so you know, so for the council to drop some money down there, you know, which is quite an interesting change about Dave, because I know you and I have spoken about this before. How slow the government was. It would have been a year, a year and a half ago when you were trying to increase your food banks through COVID and the whole nine yards, and they were they were sort of balking at the whole nine yards. Suddenly. Uh, the government's doing a job, and the area that you live in, the area that you sort of look over, is actually slow to the party. What message do you have to go out to the, the Auckland Council right now? You know, look, it's good that they're, they're communicating now, but what they need to do is just release funds into these into these centres 
you know, it's you know, you got all that all our, our our rates going, but what are they doing? You know, like they're just they're so slow for even you know, I was down there the other day and I won't mention names, but there's yeah. the accounts are down there is trying to get ten thousand dollars. Like ten thousand dollars is all he needs, you know? It's just ridiculous. Like just cut the bureaucracy and get the help to where it's needed, get the funds to where it's needed. You can see the work happening. You know, all you've got to go to is go down there and you can see it happening. You know, what, what's happening in these, these centres. Dave, the, the food situation seems to be under control from what you tell me. But what else do people in the region need? Well, you know, basically, so what we, we started working on, we got another warehouse, two new warehouses, one donated from James Kirkpatrick, uh, the other from uh, National Mini Storage with 4,000 square meter warehouse. So we went and we've got now fridges and, uh, and washing machines. We've got donated, and that was all from Fisher and Paykel. Wow. Uh, we've got donated, yeah, donated beds from, um, you know, uh, Comfy, Comfy NZ, you know, so I bought a bed, they donated one. You know, so we've got 50 beds. Uh, so that's what people need because literally, bro, you're going into these homes and they've got nothing. You know, like there was one house we went to a couple of days ago and the family was still sleeping on mattresses that were soaked in the, from the floods. Oh, God. You know, like, so our power's been out the last two nights, but at least we have resource, you know. So imagine these people who, who don't have anything and don't have friends and family and don't have any money. So, Dave... There must be a way for people to go to uh, go a a website or a phone number or what do people do to help in this particular situation? Look, if they're wanting to help our cause and everything we get, we give and then some. Um, you know, just go to our website, which is um, program.com That's t h e b b m p r o g r a m dot com. All right, just pro, so it's only it's just program with one M, so no E, just B R O G R A M. Mate, this is the first time I've spoken to you, and you actually sound a little broken. Yeah, look, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, you know, we all we all are, you know, but I mean, it's the, the, to get the to get the level of funds that we've had to get to keep, like, you know, we didn't wait wait for funding; we just went out and got it done. Um, but it took it took a lot out of me, you know, to, and, and then to keep it going because we're thinking long term. Um, you know, the, the money that we've got it won't last very long. When you, think, you know, Binance a company just gave us two hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Excuse me, Binance? They're a crypto company, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. They, they gave yeah, they you two hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Yep, in crypto, which then got converted into cash, hit my bank account last week, and it's it's amazing. It's our biggest ever one-off donation. But when you're thinking. Um, You've got to, you're going into homes and literally giving everything for one home that yeah. every that a one home needs. It doesn't go very no. far, you know, but at least we can, you know, really help in a meaningful way. You know, when you when you look at the situation now unfolding on the east coast, which I've seen pictures and you may have seen video as well, which yeah. is just horrific on another scale. Uh, what what is your message to to government? I, I can imagine you thinking already, how can I help? Has that gone through your mind? Yeah, I have. I've got connections in the Hawke's Bay and in and, 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 um, and Napier, and I, I was going to mess with, you know, you know, as soon as the roads open up, we'll, we'll load a whole truck full of parcels and just go to, go go down there. Yeah. Um, so my message to government, I mean, they've, they've had a practice run here now 
you know, surely they've learned from all the any mistakes and get it right down there. It's basically just like cutting red tape and getting and, and get empowering community groups that are already there. They'll, I guarantee there'll be community groups right now there on the ground working. Yeah, you just got to empower them. That's that's all it is. All right, Dave. I'm, I know you're a busy man, and I always appreciate the the time you are always always giving your time and uh, generous in giving us uh, just the information, mate. Look after yourself first and foremost, because you do sound absolutely knackered. Make sure that beautiful wife and your kids uh, take it easy on yourself. Uh, we all love you. Uh, you you are our living angel. So uh, go well, and we'll we'll just uh, keep putting the message out for you. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, you too. David Latelli, the brown butterbean. So that's www.thebbmprogram. Program just with one M, P-R-O-G-R-A-M. Uh, he said .com. He said .com, I think it was. Yeah, cheapers, creepers. Can we just check that, please, uh, uh, Manaya? So that's what's – now, so that was just an Auckland situation, but it just gives you, me, un, gives you an understanding of the level – with what's going on out there at the moment in the community. Was that, was that, am I right? Yep, the BBM uh, program.com. So program is spelled P-R-O-G-R-A-M. That's right. Dot com. So mm-hmm. uh, if you want to figure out how you can donate anything, I, I noticed there was a full page ad in the paper yesterday, and I think probably uh, paid for by Binance. But how about that? Crypto company, $260,000 just like that. And straight and, into his account where he can actually act on it. Because there, like he mentioned a couple of times there, and he's obviously very frustrated about it, there's so much red tape, there's so much bureaucracy, there's so many uh, checks and balances that things have to go through. Meanwhile, people are sitting in waterlogged homes. You know, People are without power, even in our office. How many people you know haven't been able to make it in? Um, even you know, Ann Smith can't do his show because of the thing. Everybody knows someone that's affected by this, and I think at times like these, you get a little bit frustrated at how long it can take aid or relief to come. Yeah, so. I mean it's 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 shocking. Uh, my good friend Greg Murphy uh, posted and I reposted a, a video uh, that he had shot from a helicopter yesterday across the Hawkes Bay, and it is it is mind numbing the extent of the floods, uh, what they have done. People are just sort of going, oh, what's going on? And you go, I, and none of us really knew until you see. I mean, they're cut off. The Hawke's Bay and, and the regions, like, and even Gisborne, cut off. I mean, you look at the Coromandel now. I'm, I'm told a friend of mine has a, a house in Whangamata. He's saying at the moment you've got to go to Ruturua to get to Whangamata. You've got to go that way around. You've got to literally the back way, if you know me, because we know the Kopuhikawai is done and dusted for a gosh. That could be a year. A year and a half of that slip at the top of the Kopu Hikawise. Karangahaki Gorge is the one because I got a friend. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is this is how the, the realness of it is, and it's, and I, I'm I'm not trying to belittle what's going on, but I got a friend getting married in Whangamata on the third of March. I don't think you do. <laughs> I don't think that's going ahead. No, no, it's going to go ahead. Okay. It's going to go ahead. He, he believe he, he's a great believer that the uh, authorities will get the Kalangaki Gorge open. Otherwise, they just everybody have to go the the other way. If you have some thoughts on uh, what's going on around, and have you got friends? Um, if you've got a story to tell us, and I've jumped ahead a bit here, I'm an iron, I apologise for that, but coming off the back of Dave, uh, we sort of, we're, we're calling it our community notice board. So if you have uh, friends that are going through stuff, you want to share the story, uh, if you're able to help in any way and you want to get that message out, then you can text us on the Temper Bedpost text line. That's double eight double three, or just give us a call. Because sometimes when people are struggling, you know what, I have never heard Dave Latelli, that flat. Now, you know what Dave's like, right? Dave is always bang, 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 bang. He does sound a little broken, mate. 
And, and you know, when you, when, you, when you hear stories of people living on, and sleeping on wet mattresses with their children, you go, what the hell is going on? Mm. But are we now facing a situation that we were never prepared for? I mean, that's the, that's the other side of the story, right? This stuff happens globally. We're now being faced with a similar thing. How we respond going forward is the key. And here's one guy. You, you know, he'd be a great prime minister because he'd just go, get it done. God bless people like him. Because oh, completely. I, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, so few people are geared the way he is. I mean, he's he's a pretty unique individual. But well, you you said that to me this morning. You said you didn't, you know, I mean, it takes all sorts. I don't have that. The <laughs> capaci- not, it's a capacity, right? Or yeah, exactly. Um, that's why those kinds of people, first responders, you know, everyone that's out there doing the work, we need those kinds of people. I sit in here and talk into a tin can, organise guests for for a radio well, station. Think know? about think about all the guys and gals on the lines doing the lines and the power, yeah, exactly. the vectors, the mercuries, all those sort of people having to try and restore power around the place. So if if you've got a story that you want to share, or just even want to make a shout out to anyone that you know is doing it hard or helping out to make sure people's lives can get back together then feel free to call me on 0800 150811. That's 0800-150811. Or text us on the Timber Bedpost text line. You know the number. It's 8833. SCNZ, it's 12.25, and afternoons with Staffy Stephen McIver in the seat till 3 o'clock this afternoon. Then the lads will run it straight as we look forward to a new NRL season. On the Temper Bedpost text line, you can uh, give us your thoughts as to what you think about the unfolding situation around the country, particularly on the east coast of the North Island after Cyclone Gabriel, and maybe share a story, or if you want to help out or let someone know you're available to help, just text us on the Temper Bedpost text line, double eight double three, or just call me, have a wee yarn. 0800 Michael from Wellington says, my thoughts for everyone in the North Island, we get through this. Yeah, I think it will, the resilience is going to be the key here. Uh, Craig says, hi guy, the problem we have in this country and others is the red tape has been created by people who have skimmed for personal gain. To those people who need to know that stealing from charities, local and government assistance programs have caused this issue. Unfortunately, there are some scumbags out there. Think about the great people like Dave Vitelli working hard for those in need. Yeah, I'd never taken that, had a look at it like that, uh, Craig, but I appreciate the thoughts. And uh, Brett goes, why does Big Dave and Mike King have to struggle? It's just not right. And the, um, the Mike King and I Am Hope Foundation are a classic case, trying to do so much for the mental health of young New Zealanders. And uh, they are constantly putting their hand out. And there are a lot of people now finally realising that the way to get things done is to go around the government system. Did you see that uh, the I Am Hope logo is going to go on the front of the Warriors shorts? I didn't. No, that's yeah. cool though. So they're going to be basically become a, a, like an official charity, which I thought was a mm. pretty cool idea because uh, both those individuals, both those individuals um, have had their own demons to deal with, right? But look at what they are doing for any New Zealander. One of the great, they do some cool stuff, the I Am Hope Foundation as well. There's a driving range in Auckland and a pitching part and they have a free coffee cart out the front. So it's free, you can go and have a free coffee or donate to the I Am Hope, whatever you can mm. afford, whatever you think it's worth to you. Um, and Mike King will be there every now and then and it's right next to where the pitching part 
uh, tees off, and he'll sit there and chirp people as they're trying to <laughs> as they're taking their first tee shot. Um, Interesting part. to think that you know a West Auckland comedian, yeah, you know, uh, just says suddenly recognises sees an enormous gap, and that the mental health of our young mm. kids is a huge problem, particularly at huge, times like these. Oh, even more so. Mm. I mean, and we're not, and we're talking kids. I mean, I think the the I'm Hope Foundation it looks for teen to look for teenagers, but you got a lot of young kids that are now going through. Crises that will affect them, and and you need people like this around. I mean, I've got friends in the Hawks Bay, uh, Clelia and Steve. I used to work with Steve, and they run, run a really nice cafe in there. And they were he was up all night the other night. I think it was Monday. What are we? It's Monday night. Monday night didn't go to bed to make sure that the family home was safe. They got partially flooded, but it was just the fact that he's a dad. He's got young kids, and he was trying to look after those kids and make sure that the next day it wasn't going to be as custody as it could be. And they have no power. They have no internet. They have communication. And when you think about it, like here we are sitting in our studio. Outside we can see it's sunshine and blue skies. I feel guilty about that. You do, understandably. But you go, put yourself in their situation. How would you respond? I mean, we've seen all the stories on, on the websites today, right? How are we going to respond to this going forward? How will the, how will the, the next government, whoever that might be, what will they do with infrastructure, uh, national infrastructure, to try and lessen the impact if this happens again? I think that's the key, right? 100%. Um, and like you mentioned there, I think a lot of us are just waiting to get to the end of this event. Um, yep. But it's the rebuild it's the ongoing the cleaning. The, the yeah, it's oh, it's it's terrible. So if uh, you have any thoughts and you want to join our community and and share the love and spread some encouraging news that maybe can help others and will point them in a direction to you know somewhere they can be helped, and then feel free to call us on oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven, or text us on the Timber Bed Post text line. That's double eight double three. Horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? So what is making news today? Come on down, context number two, I'm going to ask you. I just thought I'd lighten the mood a little bit, you know? Yeah, Spread yeah. some positive news. So I've ha- been Happy, happy joy, joy? Some happy, happy joy, joy. I've um, been doing a bit of research um, into what makes people happy. Okay, so before we go into what pe- makes mm-hmm. people happy... What makes you happy? Hmm. Kentucky Fried oh, okay. in, the, in the drive-through with your beloved last night in Valentine's Day. A little bit of chicken fried, um, cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just right, and the radio on. Probably the things that excite me, make me happy. Sunshine, that first beer <laughs> after working really hard. Second beer ruins it. It's always that first beer. That makes me happy when you're absolutely blowing it out your sphincter. One of my favourite quotes uh, on what makes people happy was uh, George St. Pierre, the former UFC champion, um, Hall of Famer. He said that there are only three things that excite him in this life. Women, dinosaurs and the violence of the octagon. (laughs) That's one of my favourite quotes. Dinosaurs are excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Dinosaurs, okay. But he said excite him, right? Yeah. Excite him. All Um, right. 
Very so, exciting. So now you've done your research. Mm. Let's see if we can make people have a smile on their face yeah, today, so, hey? So, look, a, a Harvard professor uh, has done a bit of research, um, and he says that winning the $20 million lottery will not make you happy. Um, he's a professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. He's explained why it's so short-lived. So let's say you win 20 mil in the lottery. Right. Research shows that at the end of a year, if you poll these same people on how happy they are, their baseline... Uh, they, they've returned back to their baseline. Yeah, and I read an article about someone who won like $26 million. A, a guy uh, up north, Walkworth Way, there was a story in the, in the Herald. Oh, I saw this, yes. He, this was an interesting story because suddenly, you know, he, he made the mistake of telling people. Yes. Next minute, it's handout time. So yeah. complete strangers, and then there's the guilt associated with saying no. Yes. And then he got taken for a ride by yes. uh, a bad investment. A bad investment, and 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 it was either a partner or a yes. girlfriend. Remember that story? Yes, I and do. It, but I it, but it sounds one. like he learnt very quickly. Someone's pulled him aside and said, "Hang, hang on, this is this is wrong." And I think he may have got the money back from the individual. It was, it was sort of there was a it was a slight redemptive story in it. Yes, but the best thing he the only thing he ever said was don't tell anyone yes. just don't tell anyone if you want to do good do it privately I have uh, my wife has acquaintances who are who are let's just say uh, high net worth individuals right right who, who, who are constantly constantly being tapped for coin yeah because and they and, and they get to the point where we're going well we can only do so much yeah it's, a, it's definitely an added it's, it's stress. It's almost as if people like it, it's their right to go and put their hand out. Yes, absolutely. Um, but this professor, he reckoned, even if... So uh, a lot of them were back to their baseline, the majority mm-hmm. back to their baseline. Some of them less happy. So they may have bought a huge house. Probably they would have a mansion, a car. Some of them spent it away. Some of them gambled away the money. But even if they did... Uh, at the end of three months, it's just a house. It's just a nice car. You yep. get used to it. So this is a process uh, that they call hedonic adaptation, whereby people return to a set level of happiness regardless of their worsening or improving circumstances. So you want a flash car, you go and get a flash car, and then after three months... Well, so, so, I could have, so I can understand that, right? So you know I do a motorsport show, right? Yes. And I drive lots of flash cars. Yeah. I get the chance to drive lots of flash cars. When you hop in a flash, I hop in a flash car, and I go, you go, yep, okay. And after, literally, if I have it for a day, oh yeah, just another car. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and I completely understand that. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, you go through the part where you don't want the car to get scratched at all. You want your friends not to eat in the car. And then at a certain point, you don't care about it anymore. <laughs> that, is, like, that is so true. Do whatever you want, man. I couldn't care less. <laughs> don't curb it. Oh, at first curbing. Oops. Yeah. So <laughs> if money is not the key to happiness, what is? Well, I found another research. I do a lot of research you on You do this a show. lot of research. but So if money is not the key to happiness. What is? Well, let's take a look at the happiest country on earth. Do you want to have a guess what the happiest country on earth is? I reckon you'll be able to get in the ballpark at least. They're always the same countries. India? No, it's not India. Oh, 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 oh um, ba, 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 ba. is it in the in Tibet? No, 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 no. You're uh, on the wrong continent. Am I? Yeah. Well, I'm gone then. I'm done. Thai, it's, Thailand? It's Finland. Finland. Yeah, so um, Scandinavia, the Nordic yeah, yeah, areas, yep, yep, yep. they always poll as the happiest um, countries. Um, well, there's six things that they do differently to other countries around the world. So the first thing that they do is people are honest with their emotions. Here in New Zealand, we talk around subjects. We aren't very open and free with our, you know, what we actually think. So if I've said, I hate you, my night, that's what I would do. I wouldn't. I that's wouldn't, right. 
I, I, I'll say, Manoa, I hate you. But you've never said that. No, and I, no, I never would, because I don't. <laughs> but I don't believe that. But I was using that as an example. Yes. That if I was being honest with my emotions, I'd say, I hate you, Manoa. Yes. And so there's more tolerance over there with with saying things like yeah, that. Okay. They don't take it personally. Right. Um, they have a better work life balance, so they're a hard working country. But uh, they they prioritise taking time off to relax every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, access to nature. So Finland's got an abundance of nature and residents have uh, access to, like every forest, their houses are built in such a way that they've got ready access to get out into nature. They're not just stuck in the city all the time. Okay. Upskilling is highly encouraged. I think here in New Zealand we, we discourage that. It's all poppy syndrome sort of... Oh, hang on, hang on. Upskilling? Is that in the work environment, upskilling or, or personality upskilling? Both. both. Um, so, you know, they take a lot of time to develop themselves, learning new ah, things, gives yes, their mental health. Key, key phrase there, develop themselves. Yep, simple skills like learning a recipe or recreational activity that they enjoy. Those kind of things aren't shunned. You know, quite often over here, but oh, what are you wasting all your time doing that for, mate? Yeah, exactly. Um... <laughs> What do you upskill in? Uh, Come pro- on, probably but nothing. Okay, well, well, <laughs> guess what? For your better work-life balance, I suggest, Manaya, you upskill on doing something. Yeah, I better. Um, I'm better learning a language. They have a trusting society. This is something I think New Zealand does quite well. We've got a fairly trusting uh, society. The town I grew up in, no one locked their doors. Oh, but it, yeah, I'd like to. I think there are still bits of that around the country too. You know, I was. I even where was I? I was down in. Wanaka, you mm-hmm. know, and didn't lock my doors. Didn't didn't feel the need to lock my doors. Yeah, but it wasn't your house, though, was it? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last thing that they do is they don't worry about trying to make themselves happy. They they're content as opposed to being overwhelmingly happy. And I feel like that's something we Kiwis are bad at as well. We're like, if we're not buzzing with joy, then we're unhappy. So they just focus on being content rather than overwhelmingly happy. So It's easier said than done when you've got mortgages. And, things like, and things you support like, the Warriors. And you su- Oh, come on. Come on. It's too, it is way too early for that. And I don't want my, my guest at uh, 1.30, Justin Morgan, hearing you say things like that because he might not pick up the phone. So don't be like that, okay? So <laughs> what makes coaster. you happy? What makes you happy? Why don't you tell us what makes you happy, but why? It's easy to throw down a, something on a text and say that was what makes me happy, but tell us why. 0800 that's 0800 or just jump on the Temper Bed Post text line, that's 8833. That's the question for the day, I think, because we had a bit of a, a sombre start, a, a, reality, a reality check start with the brown butterbean, Dale Latelli. What makes you happy? 8833, the Temper Bed Post text line, or give us a call and tell us. We'd love a chat. 0800 SNZ Afternoons with Staffy with Stephen McIver here till three, running it straight after three o'clock here. If you're listening around the country at SNZ or on the SN app in Australia, hello to you. It's 12.46 local time in New Zealand. That's if you're listening in Australia. And it's game two for the New Zealand Breakers against the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers in the NBL final series. Uh, the first game won by the New Zealand Breakers, 88-68. Pretty commanding performance. And when you think back, Manaya, back to the period around 2011 to 2015 when they were like, 
three to four handful of titles. Yeah, well, you you remember that period, right? Oh yeah, it was time. it was the place to be, and yep. it's got back to that being place to be. But I remember being on the station when Modi Mayor came in at the beginning of the season, and and talking to him about what he wanted to achieve and how he was going to go about it. Because we all know he's pretty straight up and down, black and white, no nonsense. He's he's not gonna he's not gonna uh, you know send you into a dance party the way he talks to you, right? That's <laughs> no. just how he is. Defence. He always talked about, I'm going to build a defensive team. Mm-hmm. And as and it's, you know, when you, and this is where you roll out the cliche, right? What wins championships? Defence. Defence wins championships. Anyway, they are live on Sky Sport 1 and free to air on Prime at 9.30 tomorrow night in, uh, in Tasmania against the Jack Jumpers, right? Win that one and they are through the big dance. It's as simple as that. So Kane... Pittman. Pittman, who is an ESPN NBL analyst, uh, is just going to give us his thoughts on who he thinks does make the big show. Grand final time. Um, most people over here think it'll be Kings Breakers. Could you see it being anything other than that? Not really, no. And and look, the, the Taipans could stretch the series against the Kings for three games. Uh, but I, and, and look, I've been wrong before with the Jack Jumpers. I think anyone that's made predictions about the Jack Jumpers has been wrong, so I should be careful saying this. <laughs> but if I had to make a bet, if I had to make a bet, I, I think New Zealand's getting the job done tomorrow night. I think they're winning in two games. They're going through to the grand final. And I think that they will make the Kings. And as much as I've said that I think Sydney is the best team in the league, and I do think that they are, I came across... To New Zealand. It was my first ever trip to New Zealand for the Sydney Kings game earlier in the season. I thought it was a a, a a pretty dominant performance by the Kings, but the Breakers defensively showed some stuff. And I think that that really are the two best teams, and that is a series. If you have no if you have no team, that's a series you should be going for because I think it could go four or five games. So there you go. I think the breakers go all the way if they can get get past the the jack jumpers. I got this fun. You know how you get a feeling. You get that feeling about the breakers. There's a groundswell. There's a bit of momentum building behind them, isn't there? Yeah, and then you've got the likes of uh, Bubba Bear Brown Jr. Bear Brown Jr. <laughs> Gerard Brantley. You know our big Derek Pardon. Derek Pardon. Our big boys going forward. All the all the Kiwis that are there. Well, to, to give you an idea of the depth that they've got, Sam Timmons, who was instrumental in the Nuggets winning the NBL here in New Zealand, yeah, comes that's the off team the, that Sin zones, right? That's the, the Otago team. Nuggets. Yeah, it's the team. That's we our own. team. That's our team. Um, it's the team I petitioned to get a ten day contract uh, from. Are you every, still are you still going on about that? Look, uh, the emails have been sent. The balls in their court. Um, but Finn Bob, who sits beside you, is like six foot five. You're about. Five foot eleven. Can't coach Tucker, Stephen, and that's uh, that's what I've got in spades. So, how about actually talent? <laughs> oh, they've got plenty of that on the roster. Um, Tucker is what they need. But uh, back to my point, Sam Timmons. You know, he's a seven footer. He's he was um, pro- more or less one of the you know part of the engine of that team that won that championship. He's so deep on the bench on the Breakers at the moment, just because of the way their uh, their roster is structured. Um, that kind of depth, the the exciting way that they play as well. Like we talk about the defense, which can be boring to casual fans yeah, yeah. to watch defense. Well, there is no defense in the NBA anymore. It would appear. No, um, but there is still in the NBL. But there's still, you know, there's still huge dunks. Uh, our guards are terrific. Great shot making um, and a great brand of basketball for us to get behind. Like you mentioned, it's all off the back of Modi Mayor. And uh, I think one of the best things that he's instituted in that team is they don't have a victim mentality, which would be very easy to do because 
there's so many things. Even this week, you think about the things that they've had to deal with. They had to take a 3 a.m. flight mm-hmm. uh, to get out of Auckland before the cyclone hit to make sure that they could make it. Uh, the last couple of years that they've been they've been binned, just all of the things that they have had uh, against them. And he is very adamant we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. We're going to be grateful for the opportunity. And we're not here just to make up numbers. We're here to take people out. We're here to win the championship. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's something that to take it back to the Warriors, could definitely learn from. Well, no, and I, I will say now, oh, here we go, here's the dangerous one. <laughs> I will say now with Andrew Webster, we, you know how I've kept coming, going on in the last 24 hours about this whole Penrith style of coaching? Yeah. Uh, Ivan does. Ivan's accountable with the Penrith Panthers. He's yeah. he he knows it's a game of footy. No one's no one's you know falling off you know the the rails. They're just going right. It's footy. If we make mistakes, we make mistakes. We we move on. We try and correct those mistakes. I think you will get that out of the Warriors this year. I think you'll see that out of Sheraldo with the Dogs, ex ex Penrith Panthers. I it'll be really interesting. But I honestly believe I'm not going to say oh, this is our year because I'm a doggy support. I can mm. say the doggies maybe, but. Uh, you will see improvement this year. Well, I think you'll see a greater resilience this yes. year. And and I think, moreover, you will see more uh, support, more fans getting on board because you can get behind that. You don't mind if they lose every now and then. If they're not feeling sorry for themselves, they're going out giving a good account of themselves. And that groundswell that we're seeing behind the um, breakers, I think that's something that a lot of New Zealand teams could learn yeah, from. Don't I, feel sorry for yourself. Get out there and you know, kick I, ass. I think Modi Mayor should be coach of the year in the NBL, turning a team that was 5-23 and 23 around to potentially winning the whole the whole thing. That says mm. that says mountains about the individual. It reminds me a little bit because we're going to talk cricket a little bit later on with Daryl Mitchell after two here on SCNZ afternoons. It reminds me just a little bit of uh, the whole uh, Brendan McCullum thing. Yes, yeah. get out there, do your job. His I read a long article today about his his mentality, and it's it's just fascinating. It, rem- it just goes. We have fun. If you make it simple, this is the way we're going to play. We have buy-in from the seniors. Uh, he has huge reps on Ben Stokes. He has huge reps. I think it was almost in a in a surprising manner. He has huge reps on the team. He says, this is a really good team. They just needed to be unlocked. It reminds me of a UFC coach who said his hardest task is getting new fighters to realise that it's way more fun to punch someone in the head than it is to get punched in the head. <laughs> and uh, that's what Modi Mayor's instilled in the breakers, yeah, I think. I know that. I know what it's like to be punched in the head. It's not much fun. It's far more fun holding someone's arm illegally and then punching them in the head. <laughs> oh, that was that was a long time ago. 12.53, stay with us. Why not? Let's dance. Get up, get down, get funky. Mm, yeah, it's 12.58. Afternoons with Staffy, Stephen McIver in the house, till three, oh, in the house. Well, has played some house music. That's definitely not my style. A couple of things. We had a request from Brett on the Timber Bedpost text line uh, to call Mike King and have a chat to him about mental health and because of what people are going through. Well, guess what? Mike King will be our guest from around 2.40 this afternoon here on SCNZ Afternoons. He's going to have a chat just to 
try and give us an understanding and maybe give you some ideas of where you can ring and help out with uh, what you may be going through right now. So that is coming your way after 2 uh, 2.30. So 2.40 this afternoon, Mike King on the show. Oh, by the way, Logan, the producer of Smithy, uh, Mornings with Smithy, said he, he wanted us to put this one out. So I said, oh, OK, I'll do. Do you play Fantasy NRL? which is the official NRL one, or do you play Supercoach NRL, which I have no idea which of the Supercoach one is. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Timber Bedpost text line, double eight double three. Do you play Fantasy NRL or Supercoach NRL? Get on the Timber Bedpost text line and let us know. Fantasy NRL or Supercoach NRL? It's just so confusing. Anyway, Timber Bedpost text line, double eight double three, or call us on 0800 150811. Coming shortly, Brendan White from D1NZ and Justin Morgan, assistant coach of the Warriors. All that coming your way before two right here on SENZ. This is SENZ Afternoons with Staffy Stephen McIver in the seat till three, then they're running it straight. The NRL season is moving a whole lot closer after three till four. Then, of course, it's Kirsten Beeve and the run home. It's four minutes past one. Hope wherever you are around this land of ours, you are safe. I know there are areas where it's just where you are doing it tough, particularly on the East Coast and still certain parts of Auckland as well. Uh, please be safe. If you have friends that are in need and you can help them, please do that part. We'll uh, get to our community notice board and your chance to call us on the Timber Bedpost text line, double eight double three, or call us on 0800 150811 if you want to share a story or send a message to someone hoping that they can come in. Uh, a quick message on the Timber Bedpost text line from Kenny says, uh, Stephen, hopes all is well out there with everyone. Uh, up here, well, I don't know where up here is, but it's, he says it's been a battle, but the power is on again. That's all we want to know. The power is on again because there are many people uh, that do not have power on around the country at the moment. And our little uh, our little poll today, Fantasy NRL or Supercoach NRL? Which one do you do you prefer, Fantasy NRL or Supercoach? Oh, no, you're a big – are you a fantasy guy? Big time, yeah. So which one do you use? I use the NRL fantasy one. So you play fantasy NRL because – uh, just because my old man's in a league and I want to beat him one year, he takes it very, very seriously. And you uh, have never beaten your father? I have never beaten my father. That'll be a real watershed moment when it happens. Okay, so and uh, this year, by all accounts, could be my year. Uh, so tell me, does does either of them offer prize money to win the whole thing? Yeah, there's all sorts of prizes. And actually, a Kiwi guy uh, got the highest score one, I think, either one year or mm-hmm. one week, and they offer out different prizes. Yeah. And um, it, his prize wasn't redeemable in New Zealand. So he, so he launched a massive investigation, and eventually they flew him over to a game. They they um, yeah, they that's brilliant. They made him hold. They gave him his prize. Ah, uh, good on him. All right, one oh six. Time to talk uh, D1NZ and the Super Sprint Motorsport New Zealand Championship with the promoter, who is Brendan White. He joins us right now. Afternoon, Brendan. How are you, buddy? I'm good, matey. How are you? Yeah, good. Look, I used the setup earlier in the afternoon about how how does someone 
take on a new promotion. So you're a brand new promoter for the what is traditionally known as the summer series of motorsport around the country. Have left in six months to put it together and wrangle hundreds of people to make it happen. When you took on, when you took it on, and you were gif- given the chance to do it, what was your first thought? Uh a big question, Stephen. <laughs> well, I'm asking the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I, it wasn't. I guess there wasn't one thought. It'd been a process over quite some time, about a year and a half, of talking to multiple stakeholders. You know, many people like yourself. Uh, with our journey with D1NZ, if, if everybody thought this was a good idea, and with drifting in New Zealand, it's it gotten to a point where. Most motorsport people that follow motorsport in New Zealand know what drifting is now. They know what D1NZ is, it's a household name. But the tier one level of motorsport in New Zealand kind of hadn't reached the roof. There's a long way to go. And that, that, that excited us, our team, and all the different stakeholders to get in there and, and do some good. So uh, we thought we could do some good, and that's what we're doing. I guess that was I guess intentionally the, the first intention. Oh, I think the important thing for people to understand is when you say tier one motorsport, because there's so much motorsport at a community level in this country, but what do you call tier one motorsport? Yeah, you, you did right. In, in the grassroots, sort of just like traditional rugby, you know, around your region, uh, motorsport is healthy. There's track days every weekend throughout the different various racetracks across New Zealand. There's um, intermediate, which would be almost like, you know, your, your magpies. God, I don't even know if they're mm. called that these days. But mm-hmm. your provincial rugby. And then from there, you, you step up to the likes of blues. Um, and Super it's the rugby. same analogy for motorsport. So um, we are, I guess, the New Zealand um, uh, league of that. Uh, and you've got different uh, categories. There's the GT New Zealand Championship, the Porsche Championship, the City Frock, which is the Castrol Toyota Formula Regional Oceania Championship, certified by FIA. Um, so that's where our internationals come down. Yeah, it was a mouthful. I got it last time, eh, Stephen? Yeah. Um, and, and those are your provincial racing leagues in New Zealand that we represent across uh, Sky TV, TV3, Fox Sports Australia. And, um, and uh, there's a long way to go, but already we're seeing so much growth um, because of the product that we've turned over in the last six months. So five weeks on the road, back to back to back to back to back. What lessons... How are you feeling, mate? Yeah, knackered. (laughs) I'm knackered. But ready to go for D1NZ this weekend, but we'll talk about that in just a moment. What have you learned about the undertaking? And was it greater than you thought? Uh, you know, there's so many lessons to be learned when you're dealing the way that motorsport works is you've got different clubs throughout New Zealand that organise um, the racetracks and they've all got their own little idiosyncrasies that how they run, whether it's a rescue out on the racetrack or, or, or you know, the different pickup points. So we've learned so much from right down to the ground level to dealing with um, going live on TV3 for the first time in several years for New Zealand motorsport. Um, and, and also develop, uh, I guess delivering for partners, you know, the drivers, partners, you guys being out on the grid or being out on the, the you know, the networks and, mm. and really trying to give a driver's sponsor or our commercial partners the leverage that they can. There's just not one facet you can touch on. Um, we're still, you know, we've only just got back yesterday and we're going straight back into another event. So there'll be a lot of, there'll be a lot of debriefs, mm. uh, you know, a lot to take in and, and lessons learned, I think. Overall, we deliver fantastic five rounds of New Zealand motorsport um, across New Zealand. We had you know, tens of thousands of people through the great gates, hundreds of thousands of people watching online and, and on TV. Um, and there's just this real fantastic positive vibe 
about New Zealand motorsport on a professional level again. So it's exciting times ahead for me. It is exciting times, but do you sometimes feel that motorsport is looked about, looked down upon? Uh, not at all. I, I, I look at it that, um, you know, we had the likes of Grant Dalton racing in BMWs in the weekend, um, you know, and he's obviously a, a pinnacle leader of New Zealand sport. Um, he's done a fantastic job. We've got multiple personalities that are, uh, you know, that thrive in our sport. You look at what our international league's doing with um, Shane Van Gisbergen, um, you know. Who, who watched everything, by the way. I'm told Shane watched everything every five weekends. Yeah, mate. Yeah, you tune in on the live streams, and there he is, Shane Wallace, tuned in. <laughs> Some of the live streams, you know, Rusty did his pit walks in the morning, and we'd say maybe 40 people were there in the morning tuning in, and Shane Wallace was on. It was great. It's great to see, but I don't think it's looked down upon at all. Um, I think, if anything, uh, we're just getting started. The excitement's just getting real. There's a lot of, um, I wouldn't call them celebrities, but notable people in New Zealand wanting to get involved with motorsport, and it's kind of everything does its cycle, right? And and I feel that the cycle of motorsport getting reinvigorated and um, being attractive again is just getting started. How important is it to find balance, particularly with you? I know your vision is to make it exciting, watchable, short, sharp, so you keep people's attention spans. Because as we know, uh, lifestyles are changing, right? People can't really sit around and watch a three-hour race for too often, or this, that, and the other. We didn't have three hours. I understand that. So. The balance between getting it right and maybe sacrificing some classes. Do you think that's that's going to be another hitch point you're going to have to deal with? Yeah, from the start, we, we kind of had to be... Transparency is key, and from the start, we've said that we, we don't want to be taking 10 or 15 classes to a, a, week, a race weekend because fans, you're competing on a, on a very competitive market these days. It's not like back in the... 80s or the 90s or early the 2000s where you could do a bunch of radio and you know a bunch of tv and flies and everyone would come you you've got so many different facets to try to touch on from a marketing perspective to even garner the fans interest to come along to the racetrack so um for us you know it's, it's just making sure that the product's really good and that we've got a, a product that mm-hmm. we're developing with the set categories um you know uh, the the new racing series this year was um, amazing they invested so much into giving the fan a really enjoyable experience following the journey through the regions through you know putting them in front of big flash led screens and making stars of these guys yeah. so the, the the viewer at home could actually uh, watch the journey through the five weekends and it doesn't happen overnight but now the viewers at home can go well i've watched that journey next year next season i'm going to go along when it comes to my region because i'm a fan of this so so it doesn't happen overnight, but um, you're right. We can't take everybody along to the journey, and um, you know, we'll we'll be selective moving forward of who those are. But that's okay. There's a lot of motorsport in New Zealand, um, in a secondary and a third and a grassroots level that's thriving, um, and we just need to make sure that the viewer, the fan who comes along to the racetrack, gets a taste, a bit of taste of everything. You know, they want a bit of a V8 class. They want a bit of the Lamborghinis or the Ferraris racing that are worth a million dollars and watching them going to the Savile. You know the Grand Trap, uh, several. Uh, what are they called? You know the Sand Trap. That's the one. Um, or they want to put a kitty litter. So. <laughs> You know, you know what, you know what was was really sort of humbling, was uh, having a beer afterwards with the volunteers and and understanding the passion of that, that motorsport in this country and we're in Australia the same deal, uh, how important the volunteers are and how passionate 
each volunteer is about the one task they have. Right, I had I spoke to a, a flag marshal who had one corner, one corner to look after in Topo at the International Motorsport Park. And he was so proud of that to a point where he got, he said, oh, I got a little bit nervous the other day because, you know, they were coming around three wide and, you know, anything could happen in that corner. So his care, of his duty of care for the drivers, and he's just a flag marshal, I thought it was beautiful. But, and, and it is amazing. Uh, so many of you people, we had over a thousand volunteers over the last five weeks make this event, these events happen. Um, and the drivers look to these guys. When you're in a race car and you're doing 180, 200 k's down that corner, and you're relying on that person to put a yellow or a red out if there's something around the corner that you can't see. They take it really seriously. They're so passionate. Um, and, I, and I really do, thoroughly, just like you, enjoy getting down to the Marshalls and having a beer. Um, Tapo, we can just be in. I met Brian. He's 73. He's got a Ford Capri with an SR20 and a sequential gearbox. <laughs> and he raced at Hampton Downs the weekend before. He was last. And his wife was giving him some hilarious facts <laughs> about it. Can't even see the race track. But there's old Brian, last, last member of Tapo Car Club. Absolutely loves it. And and, that, and then he's out there driving a super safety car for Tour de Gazoo Racing at Chapo. You know, those stories, unless you're out on the ground and you actually take the time to, to feel out who's making the sport actually possible, you miss them. And, and it's great because it's, it's the lifeblood, right? Yeah, it is. And now we must move to – and I, can I just call you out a bit? It's interesting that you don't consider D1NZ Tier 1. You sort of see, Jeff, you sort of see, talked about D1, which is your baby. It has been for many years. It's in its 20th year now. Do you not consider mm. D1 as a tier one sport? But I think D1 and Z is in a league of its own. Um, and, and I don't mean to bang uh, our own drum yeah. here, uh, but D1 and Z for a long time has been the pinnacle of New Zealand motorsport. We've been live um, across Sky TV for three or four years now with yourself and it's been a real pleasurable experience. It's been on TV3, it's been live internationally and no other motorsport in New Zealand has been doing that for, for some time. We've got we've had the most flamboyant cars, the most personified drivers, you know, yeah. our drivers have over half a million followers. So so yeah, I think the winning Z's already been tier one for a long time um, and it's had some fantastic corporate investment. It's a show. We put on a show, you love it, we love it um, and well, people walk away after three hours Wanting more. Well, I'm genuinely excited about this weekend because the long-range forecast is for fine weather. Round two starts is at Mount Smart Stadium on this magnificent purpose-built track in the in the car park, basically. But when you when you light it up and put the lights on, it is a stunning circuit. So there has been a change, though. So can can you first of all confirm the change to the weekend running? For sure. Well, for, for those that don't know what drifting is, it, uh, get on and, and if you can't get to Mount Smart Stadium this weekend, watch on Sky Sport. You can actually download a seven-day free trial of, of Sky if you want to you know, just test the waters. Um, and it's a judge sport. So there's two cars on the track and they both do a lead and a chase, much like surfing, and the judges set out criteria and then you've got to beat them. You've got to beat the car in front of you. Then you swap over and he's got to beat you. It's actually a lot to it. And when you watch the TV show, you you start to understand it. It's not just the hoons out there doing <laughs> skids on the streets. It's com- something completely different. It's one of the fastest growing motorsports in the world. Um, unfortunately, um, for our drivers and, and for everyone, like you were just talking about earlier, there's a lot of devastation going on in New Zealand at the moment. And as an event promoter, we have to look at what's ethically right and also what we feel right for our competitors, um, stakeholders and everyone around the country. And we don't want people travelling in this. Some people can't. Uh, a few of our competitors are based out of the Hawke's Bay. And unfortunately, right now, they can't get out of the Hawke's Bay. Um, so we've pushed our um, our event back to from... We had a Thursday practice for Friday, Saturday. We cancelled 
uh, Thursday and Friday, and we've pushed that back to a Saturday Sunday event. Um, and that's you know working with the likes of uh, Mount Smart Stadium and our stakeholders on on what state the roads nationwide nationwide will be on. And and we're not a huge event, you know, we're not talking. We're bringing thousands and thousands and thousands of people to Auckland. Um, predominantly, this is a smaller sold out event, a bespoke event that we um mainly focus TV on. Uh, but we have moved it to a Saturday-Sunday event just to allow the, a couple extra days for people um, to, to travel. So Saturday's just our, our testing and, and qualifying. Sunday's the main show now, um, which reduces Saturday's uh, movements as well. It, will, it sells out every year just because it, it is a very limited capacity. And then, um, then we, yeah, mate, we just we start at 9 a.m. and we're you know hammer down. Uh, we we have 24 battles of pro sport development and 24 battles of pro. Um, and it's always a lot of fun because of that custom course. I'm sadly not a night round though this time. It's not a night round. No, Sunday might. Sunday people want to go home and you know have their Sunday roasts and get okay, ready for so, the work week. So, so when when does the television coverage start? It is Sunday only for for pro for, 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 one for D1. Done by five o'clock. Yeah, D1 and Z one and done by five. We'll be on uh, on Sky TV around one to two o'clock. Um, and um, pro sports before that. So oh, I'm glad you told um, everyone me. Everyone can catch the action. <laughs> yeah, just go on to d1nz.com if you want to come along and watch it. Otherwise, tune in on Sky. If you're not in New Zealand, you can tune in via KO or uh, motorsport.tv internationally or Fox Sport. So I've got a question here that's coming on the Timber Bedpost text line, and it doesn't surprise me. And uh, the question is this What about Speedway? Stock cars every week, more people turn up than the circuit racing, or do you not count it? Now, I know you have to have a different circuit for that, I understand that, but where do you put Speedway? Because it is, it does have a very strong following. It does. And um, Speedway's had its times as well where it struggled on different venues, but what they have and what we've almost adapted over the years with D1NZ is they have a venue that you can go to. You can get three hours of entertainment. Your hot dog's there, your beer's there, your chip's there, you know your seat's there, everything's yeah. right in front of you. So Speedway's been fantastic for New Zealand motorsport over the years. It doesn't for there's different organisations. So Speedway New Zealand looks after all the speedways. Motorsport New Zealand looks after all the circuit um, componentry. And then Motorcycle New Zealand looks after the, the motorcycle side of things. Um, you know, different speedways across New Zealand have their different strengths. Palmerston's fantastic. Bruce Robinson does a great job down there with the, the team's champs. And Bay Parks had a really a new, a fantastic new promoter in Springs as well. You would have seen that we've actually later, uh, for those that follow us, a, a, a track underneath Bay Park that we, we pull up every year. Um, and, and Bay Park, we get religiously 8,500 screaming fans for the D1NZ Grand Final because of that atmosphere. So there is a component tree of when you take it to the fans you build it and they will come yeah, However, yeah. every speedway comes at a, at a significant cost to build and these speedways have been around for 50 or 100 years where D1N did it so in its 20th year so we're still very new, we're still very new to the scene. Yeah but and I heard I heard the other day it looks like the speedway season at um, the Springs is over uh, the council have pulled the pin on it because of uh, what happened to the flood which uh, that's my understanding, it's not official as that I, I hear it but I heard uh, potentially from the promoter that was going it was gone for the season which is which is pretty devastating for a lot of people Brendan thanks as always for giving us your time so just a reminder round two of D1NZ live on the telly from is it one o'clock on Sunday 
it's, uh, between one and two, um, just because we've only had the change over the last 12 hours, Stephen. We've, uh, we're still firming up our broadcast details. But you'll be there, right? Frank? Yeah, mate. Ready. Get, yeah. get my slide. Trust me, get my slide on, ready to go, man. Can't wait. I, lo- yeah. I love Mount Smart. I'm going I'm I'm to interrupt you, though. I'm going to just ask all your viewers to go onto Stephen's uh, Instagram if you get a chance, MacGyver, and just look at the beautiful video he, he did when he um, he flooded our car last week. I was, uh, I was, no, it was, views, was so, it? so uh, when where the floods started, the rain started in Auckland, you and I were stuck in Auckland Airport and we decided to get out uh, and we yeah. posted a little video. Uh, which was actually you saying, oh, look, there's a Tesla that, that garnered 849,000 views. What we didn't really show was you me opening the door to your car and flooding it. Okay, so I'll put my hand up now. Uh, have, has the insurance come through, by the way? Insurance companies, eh, man? You insure it for a certain amount and then they come back with the evaluation, which is half the price that you insured it for. So we're going through that process, mate, at the moment. Okay, we won't mate. name names, but, um, <laughs> you know, no, it's just a funny, funny little laugh. I enjoyed my five and a half hours in the car with you. <laughs> and I've enjoyed the journey so far, and I look forward to seeing your face this weekend. All right, man. Um, and and uh, we will go and have some more fun. All right. Valvoline Yeah, got it. Valvoline D1NZ, Brendan White, as always. Thanks, mate. So Sunday afternoon, live on the telly, whether it's on Sky Sport or KO on Australia or Motorsport.tv, round two, the first round of winner was Fanger Dan, the defending champion. But there are some young kids out there that want to topple them. Stay with us right here on SCNZ Afternoons. The time is one twenty-eight with Stephen McIver, not too far away from Johnny updating the new then our chat with Justin Morgan, assistant coach of the New Zealand Warriors. I was listening to that promo about uh, the lads, as in Kempe, talking to, uh, to Gary Stead about uh, bringing in Trent Bolt. Would you have brought Trent Bolt in for this test series? No, I don't think I would have. Why not? Um, because if you've drawn your line in the sand and said, if you don't have a central contract, we're not going to select you, then I think you've sort of got to stick with that. And I think that New Zealand cricket... Are using that? I don't. I don't necessarily agree with them doing that. But if that's the line in the sand that you've drawn, you've got to stick with it. If you know what I mean. If I've said, "Hey, you need to have a central contractor. We're not selecting you. We're going to select someone who does," then I'm sticking with it, and I'm not making that phone call because I feel like you're sort of. Um, but if that person's a proven match winner, no one's bigger I- than the team, Stephen, and uh, I firmly believe that. Uh, and and also, if you've made a, drawn a line in the sand like that, you've really got to. Stick How many times with are you going to say drawn a line in the sand? Come on. Well, look, that's what they've done. They've drawn a line in the sand. sand. There was sand. What they did was they drew a line that was in that sand. And <laughs> once you've done that, <laughs> you have to stick to it. I, I would have picked him. I would have picked him. I mean, am I right in saying this doesn't count towards Test Championship points this series? That's right, yeah. Why is that? Um, I don't know, but even if it did, we're so far out of it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, no. It's been pretty poo, isn't it? I think I think the English Test test team is probably the hottest team going around at the moment. Nine yes. of their last ten, won nine of ten tests. Incredible. Uh, how hot is that? We'll talk to Daryl Mitchell from the Black Caps after two o'clock this afternoon here on SCNZ. SCNZ Afternoons with Staffy on a Wednesday, the 15th of February. February. Do you know we actually, you know how we say it's February? It's actually not February. It's February. 
Yeah, I know. I, we all do it. Don't worry. 15th of Feb, 2023. Time to talk. The great game of the NRL. The Warriors had their first preseason match uh, last Thursday back and uh, gave it to the Tigers. Wasn't the toughest Tigers uh, outfit around, but the Warriors look strong. One of their assistant coach is is Justin Morgan. Hey, Morgs, how are you, mate? Good, sir. How are you, mate? I'm good, buddy. So let's let's cut to the chase. How much do we read into preseason? Out, to be fair, um, because every club's at a different stage and they're trying to get different things out of different um, trials. Um, you know, some teams train over the top of trials, some teams prepare themselves. They're a different stage of their development. But um, I think in terms of last week, we went to the objective of making sure we saw some things that we've been practicing in the preseason, which we could tick that off. We certainly did that. Um, we also wanted to make sure that you know, we looked at we looked organised and so forth, and we did. You know, we're really the Tigers for a majority of their game um, put a lot of their younger players out on the field. They'll be a different you know, proposition come you know when you're playing for yeah. two points when they got players out there. But I don't think we could have asked for any more than than, than what we got out of Thursday. So this weekend, I think for all the teams, will be a lot closer to an NRL game than, than the first week. Yeah, well, I'm just looking at your lineup, and it looks pretty much. And I've looked at all the lineups. Uh, they look pretty much like you know starting lineups for round one. What excites you about this Ford pack? First of all, for the Warriors, Fanua Blake, Egan Barnett, Jackson Ford, Neil Corey, and Tohu Harris. I just think it's got a nice. I think physically a big team. You know, you look at the size of Tohu and Adam, Mitch, um, and you know, Jackson Ford. You know, powerful human beings. I think, um, you know, Murado, you know, look, you know, he's, he's a man too. So I like the, the size and the mobility of it. I think it's got a nice in terms of players that are very direct with the way they carry the footy. And we've got a little bit of, you know, Adam can pass the football, Torhu can pass the football. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's a nice balanced pack. Uh, I think it's mobile. Um, and I think across the board, um, you know, they're, they're good defenders. Mitch Barnett's a renowned, very good defender. Toru, very, very good defender. Um, you know, and it's come from a team that made the grand final. So you're not a poor defender if you're playing in grand finals, you know. So um, I, I think it's a nice balance. And then you have a look at our bench, you know, Tom Ali, Bunty Afoa, um, you know, Bailey. Josh, oh, is Josh, Josh, is or Bailey on the bench? I've got Josh on the bench. Is Josh starting yeah, off the bench? He'll be off the bench. I think we're going to take about twenty-four players. Yeah, so, I saw um, that. Yeah, so I think I think most teams you'll see this weekend. You know, for the first fifty or sixty minutes, they'll run it like a. They'll try and keep their changes similar to what they would normally do, and then possibly the last. 20, 30 minutes, give some of the players a bit of a rest. But it's getting that nice balance of, you know, getting the miles in the legs, you know, because you don't want to be going into round one and, and your players have not played a big chunk of minutes. Like, uh, uh, you know, guys that haven't played the first trial, they need to have some miles in their when they get to round one when we're asking them yeah. to play 60, 70 minutes. And, you know, for some guys there, they'll have to play 80 minutes. You, know, you expect for your spine to play 80 minutes, your outside backs to play 80 minutes. So, um, it's getting that nice little balance right. But, uh, yeah, we're expecting a pretty intense game against the Storm. So uh, they've named a pretty strong side as well. So 
should be a good, a good little test. Morgs, I don't think it's any surprise when the, the, the club signed Dylan Walker. A few eyebrows were raised, but all the reports I'm getting at, it could be it might have been one of those signings that the is the special signing because uh, I always revert back to the best number 14 I think the club ever had in, in the Huntley Hurricane, Lance O'Hire. Is he, an, is he a bit of an older version, Dylan Walker, of the Huntley Hurricane? Yeah, you're right. He's a very, very similar um, skill set. He can play a number of different positions um, and he's been doing that at training. You know, it's going to be a exciting time for us when we've got Dylan and Torhu on the field at the same time, both playing in the forwards. Because they've both got you know really good touches with their hands, they can their 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 footy IQ is extremely high, so they know how to you know how to generate momentum and ruck speed, and know how to get around the field and defend correctly. So yeah, I think Lance will be the best number fourteen that's played for this club, you know, in in its history. But I think Dylan Walker, with his competitive nature, he's a really competitive guy. We've seen that at training for the first 16 or 17 weeks that we've been back. so um, And he's a little bit Mr. Fix-It. You know? So we, we want him to play that number 14 role. He'll come on and play number 13. It, it also allows us just to carry one hooker in the 17. You know, don't have to carry two genuine hookers because he can play yeah. hooker as well. Also got to remember when Jazz Tavanga comes back from injury, he can fit that role as well. But trained in the centres, he's trained in the halves. So, you know, he can play a number of different positions. So um, to have that versatility is, uh, is is a real added bonus for us. You saw what Luke Metcalf could do last week. He'll start, uh, I think he's travelling with you. Does it give you confidence that if Tamati or Sean fall over, you can just slot him in? Yeah, but also competitive for places. Yeah. But, you know, it's... Um, I think Luke um, really took some steps forward last week against the Tigers. Um, you know, we saw how he left. He's very, very fast, you know. So um, he sort of took the role of, you know, the, the lead halfback, so to speak. You know, he got us around the field, called the play. So he played on the ball quite a bit, which is good. Um, so that allows him to, to play the role of the traditional number on the football, but also um, can play as one of those halves that sits on either side. So you see with a lot of teams these days, they'll play one half and then they'll play one half on one side of the field and fullback on the other side of the field. Sometimes they'll get all three, not always, um, and not, not as often as we've seen in the past. You generally see two of them together. So it's nice that he can play both of those roles. He can play on the ball and he can also hold up a side because he's so he's so quite a bit of fullback as well. He knows those lines that you need to run when you're out of shape, etc. So, yeah, it's nice to have that, um, you know, that that extra play. We've got Ronald Volkman who's come back from from injury as well, so want to push for a spot as well. Obviously, he's not as experienced as the other players just yet at the NRL level, but um, you know, to have that competitive position in the halves um, will be only good for us. You know, one if we get an injury, one if there's one if there's injury, and two if there's if there's poor form. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice position to be in. And then, like I said, you know, during a game, you know, you could throw Dylan in there if for some reason yeah. you need to have someone with a bit more experience with one of those players that doesn't have as experience. Can, can I, this question may sound a little odd asking one of the coaches, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You've got Ivan Cleary, Cameron Sheraldo, and then you've got Andrew Webster. So the two last two are disciples of the Ivan Cleary School of Coaching. And I've been saying they make it simple. They don't overcomplicate things. Am I right or am I wrong? 
Yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. I think, um, you know, Webby's approach um, has been, you know, let's get the fundamentals right. You know, he, he does complicate things. But in saying that, you know, he's been around a long time. He's been coaching 20 years, you know, and, you know, he's, he's got a great rugby league brain himself. You know, he likes coaching. He likes actually being out on the field and coaching footy, which is great. You know, see so often with, with head coaches a lot of the time, depending on, you know, you know where they're at there in their career as well, sometimes just manage from the sideline. But it's been great to see Webby out there doing some coaching and listen to Cameron Soraldo when, when, you know, he's talking about footy. You know, he's quite simplistic in his approach as well. And, you know, I, I know it's a, it's a, you know, a simple thing, but, you know, in rugby league, you know, you've got to be able to run well, you've got to be able to tackle well, kick well, well do the fundamentals quite well, and you're on your way to, you know, good footy team is arguably one of the best coaches of all time Craig Bellamy is very simplistic in his approach you know like sometimes you know his his last lot of instructions is run hard and make sure you make your tackles you know what I mean there, there is some technical coaching in and around that but you know it does come down to people things and doing them very very well so uh yeah you're right I think it's great to see Ivan having some success with some of his staff, you know, getting head coaching roles, and you know, he'd be very proud of what what um, you know Cameron and Webby have, have got ahead of them now. You know, both head coaches at, at uh, NRL clubs. Morgs, I know every season everybody's a champion. Everybody's a champion until they the first the first whistle goes and the first tackler's made, the first ball is kicked. Uh, when you look at the progress over pre-season, are you encouraged by what you see? And will fans see, uh, let's be honest, a different style of warrior play? Or will they see uh, somewhat of an old school approach? And, and back to maybe the, the, the razzle-dazzle at some stage. I think you'll see a team um, that is will be striving for consistency be our biggest challenge. Our biggest challenge uh, will be to be consistent through, through the entire season. I think you'll see moments where... You know, you'll see the the ability that this footy team has got. You'll see that, you know, and the and the challenge for the coaches is to make sure that we become consistent for twenty odd weeks because that's how you win competitions. That's how you play in September. I think in terms of the style, play, um, you'll see a team that has a very attacking attitude. Um, you know, Webby likes attack. He's coached attack for for a lot of his career, even though he's he's coached defence at different stages as well. He does attack. He's got a great. Uh, footy IQ when it comes to attack. He loves coming up with plays. He loves, um, you know, the way sets are structured, etc. Um, but in saying that, um, you, you need to make sure that you do the things that win your games, you know, and there's some, some simple things that win your games. You know, you've got to have good possession and you've got to be able to get on the front foot at different stages. So, you know, a lot of our a lot of our footy will be based in and around that, making sure we get on the front foot with the win some ascendancy and we win the advantage line. We, we need to win the advantage line with the ball and without the ball. So that's been a little bit of... And while that's a simplistic approach, there's different ways you can do that to make sure that that helps you win the game. Nothing, Holding the footy and not making mistakes is important as well. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with just keeping it simple, stupid. Hey, just quickly, how many miles are you running a week now? Yeah, I've, I've clocked it down a little bit. I'm just I'm about, about 30, 40k a week this at the moment. Wow, I've turned it right down, you know. So, spent a little bit, spent a little bit more time inside because it's been a little bit fresh outside yeah. running. So, yeah. uh, run, yeah, for, so run, I'll, forest, I'll run. 
<laughs> run, Forrest, run. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd run as fast as him, though. That's the difference. Hey, as always, <laughs> as always, mate, it's a pleasure. Uh, the best of luck against the Storm this weekend. We can't wait for game one to get going. Yeah, thanks, mate. Catch up soon. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Justin Morgan, assistant coach with the Warriors. It's 1.44 on SCNZ. I'm with Stephen LeCarver in for Staffy. Uh, they, will be, they will be running it straight from 3 o'clock this afternoon. On the Timber Bedpost text line, just a quick text in regards to what Manara and I were jamming about. Would you or would you have not chosen Trent Bolt? I said yes. Manara said no. And you've got to draw the line in the sand, line in the sand, line in the sand. Uh, and the tide came in and everything changed. That's the point of a line in the sand. It's temporary. You like that one? Yeah, I do quite like that. That's you, good from that. It's a temporary person. line in the sand. I, I, let's put it this way. If they get hammered, what's the bet the call goes out? Yes or no? We are, absolutely. Okay. Well, they even, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, there's this text as well. I just think that if it was me, I'd draw the line in wet cement. It would set. <laughs> and it wouldn't go away. And that line would be there forever, yeah. <laughs> Trent Bolt left New Zealand cricket. His choice, no way he is even considered. Don't care how good he is, says Wayne from Carmo. Woo. I agree with Wayne. Are you, are you sure? Yeah. You're not drawing that line in the sand again. You've made your decision, so that's what it is, you know, and you've got to make it clear because if you flip-flop on this, then the next person's going to be like, oh, well. But but that that, that suggests, though, that text suggests that Trent Bolt wants to come in. That's my that's my read. He hasn't said anything. We're the ones debating it. I think Trent Bolt would love to come. I mean, as an athlete, I mean, as a person, it's always good to feel wanted, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, to, for him to be able to come in and be the hero, he's just up the road. Yeah, um, that'll, but, be, that'll be the hard thing. Can you imagine day two and their, their wickets are tumbling? And, and he's sitting up on the embankment with a beer in hand. And going, well, actually. <laughs> so how are you getting on out there, yeah. fellas? <laughs> <laughs> Quite like this. Can yeah. someone get me a mince and cheese, please, while you're there? Yeah. And make it a couple. All righty. Uh, if you play fantasy NRL, do you play fantasy NRL? or do you play Supercoach? Manaya wants to beat his father this year and play Fantasy NRL, but do you play Fantasy NRL or Supercoach? Tell us on the Temper Bedpost text line, which is double eight double three. That's double eight double three. Do you play? How do you play it? Do you just do you get a do you get like a salary cap and yes, choose your players? That's right, and then they value players at X amount, and then you get the um, points based on their statistical performance, so not necessarily how well they play. Um, you know, from a winning or losing perspective, but how many meters, tackles, okay. all that kind of thing. Is it quite? Is it because it, can you get quite down, down the rabbit hole with it? Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, and quite often, uh, dudes that get that invested in it, they'll end up watching the game just for their fantasy stats, as opposed to. I've, I've heard that. Yes, I've heard. That. You know what? We had a guy at work uh, when I was at Sky. And um, he won the Premier League one here, the local Premier League oh, one. Oh, really? Now, I would have thought that was pretty hard. Yes, it would have been, because there would have been a lot of people playing that. Yeah, so that's interesting. All right, so we just want you to know, text us in on the Timber Bed Post X line, double eight double three. do you play Fantasy NRL or Supercoach? I would have no time. It's one fifty two. 157, we were talking about coaches and, and how they go about their job. We're going to talk to Daryl Mitchell shortly about how he thinks Baz McCullum's doing his job uh, with the England test side. We've talked about the Penrith coaches and we've talked to one of the assistant coaches of the Warriors in the form of Justin Morgan. But how does Adam Blair approach coaching as the SG ball coach for the Warriors? I, I'm a pretty relaxed dude, bro, so I don't really get too nervous. It may change come game day. I've never sat up, sat up in a coach's box. We may be just sitting on the sidelines, so I don't know what that's going to be like. Well, I was just a raw kid from New Zealand and from Whangarei, and I went over to Aussie and played. So um, 
I was just there just to have fun, really. And I think that's the most important message and key for these these boys is that to enjoy rugby league for what it is and have fun with your teammates. Um, again, I'm guessing I would have been a little bit nervous, as everyone would be, um, and I was nervous even through my NRL career. So I'm expecting that they're going to be nervous. It's an exciting time for the Warriors fans, um, Warriors in general, our, our NRL uh, coaching staff to be able to see the next generation of kids coming through and hopefully we can keep as many of them as we can uh, through New Zealand and through our grades so that we can um, see them progress into NRL. Adam Blair, the SG ball coach for the Warriors, who a couple of weeks back got their first win, so that was a nice way to start his his young coaching career. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Daryl Mitchell, the Black Cap, thinks of how Brendan McCullen is rolling his team. Uh, I'll, I'll probably have to be a little bit gentle on that one, Maya, you know, because the, they have won nine of the last ten tests, and uh, the Black Caps haven't won a test in uh, six tests. They haven't had won a test, and they've come off that draw against Pakistan, so... I wouldn't ask Daryl that one. Yeah, no. I'm going to. Oh yeah. Okay. Why, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? No, I'm to? glad you are. Well, well why? Well, you'd be, be, <laughs> be scared to ask him. No. Well, I just don't think that's going to be high on his priority list of uh, things he's concentrating on ahead of tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, at least we are. Well, I haven't heard any otherwise that we are going to have uh, the first of two tests, uh, the second one next week, and next week at uh, the Basin Reserve. All right, coming your way after two o'clock, Black Cap Daryl Mitchell. We'll talk to Paul Mawate from the TAB. By the way, never got the chicken wings, thanks very much. Very disappointed in you, the TAB. Both Manai and I were gagging for a bucket of wings and never got them, were never on the list. Mitchell McLennan, though, pigged out. Simple as that. And he showed everybody he was pigging out on his Instagram page. Do you know he's got like 220,000 followers, Mitch has? He's a hot dude. He's like a rock star. Yeah. and a, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Back shortly. <laughs> you can't find the words, I just go. This is SENZ Afternoons with Staffy Stephen McIver in the seat till three. Then uh, Kempe and the team come to run it straight. That's what they call it, right? Run it straight. All about the NRL. The season not too far away. It's four minutes past two this Wednesday, the 15th of Feb, 2023. Back into test cricket. Funny when we've just been going through this horrible weather and we're, we're still thinking summer, isn't it? But it's, it's maybe it's a bit of ray of sunshine to give people, those people struggling a little bit of uh, something to look forward to. Uh, first of two tests between the Black Caps and England. Tomorrow at the Bay Oval, that's the first of two. The second one being next week, starting the Friday the 24th at the Basin. And Blackout all-rounder Daryl Mitchell joins us. So have you made it to the Bay? I think that's the big question. Yeah, well, obviously the sun's out, which is nice. And um, yeah, hopefully in the next five days and we'll get a good good uh, test match ahead. It's just been a day night there. It's an exciting opportunity. Yeah. I ha- is everybody in camp now or are we still waiting on those that have maybe been affected by the cyclone? Yeah, no, everyone's here now. We we had a training just before and, and everyone's through it. So, um, yeah, no, we as a group are really looking forward to the challenge ahead. Can't wait to get stuck in now. Does it, has it, I don't want to harp on this, Daryl, but has it been somewhat of a distraction or do you just take these things in your stride as a team? No, I think this is something that I guess we pride ourselves on as Kiwis is that just find a way to get the job done and, um, yeah, it's, it's no more chaotic than what it would be touring around other parts of the world as well. So, no, for us to get out, we've had a couple of good, good days preparation and we're really looking forward to getting stuck in tomorrow. So, so uh, I'll, I'll ask you to play weather forecast. So what does it look like for tomorrow in the test? 
I can see the mount at the moment, so that's always a good sign. So <laughs> I think us as cricketers, uh, we learn not to look at weather reports because they're always different to what actually happens. So, look, we're just really excited for a day-night test, and at the mount here, um, even if there is a little bit of rain around, it drains so quickly, I'm sure we'll definitely get enough over to get it result. Have you had a look at the perch? Yeah, it's, yeah the sun's all out on it at the moment, and it uh, looks like a good wicket, so... Um, are you confi- are you confirmed to play yet? I mean, I know we've just run a story suggesting it's not a settled on up. Are you are you playing tomorrow? Um, that's probably a question that uh, a bit above me. Um, but uh, no, I know we as a group are really looking forward to taking. Uh, yeah, personally, I really look forward to the chance of playing England at home. Um, it's always cool to have me here and all that atmosphere and with a Thursday nighter as well will be cool. Yeah, I think there's probably, obviously, and this is no surprise to you, a hell of a lot of interest with uh, uh, former Black Cap, uh, Brendan McCullum in charge of England. When you look at this challenge, as opposed to other challenges, how hungry are you personally to try and have a, have a real good go at these boys? Um, look, oh, I think any time you represent New Zealand is pretty special and and to do it in Test cricket, I know this group really loves playing Test cricket. It means a hell of a lot to us. And um, yeah, to play England, they're, I guess, one of the, the top teams in the world in Test cricket uh, for a number of years now. Uh, anytime it's pretty special. So, uh, whether it's Baz and Chance or now, so I don't think that changes for us. It's just really exciting to be, um, yeah, to be able to play Test cricket now. Haven't had a winner for a little while, uh, coming off a drawn series in Pakistan. Uh, what growth may have you seen in this test team that can can challenge England? Uh, look, I've been a successful test team for a number of years now, and we've got a blueprint that works for us, especially in New Zealand. Um, so, yeah, we'll stay pretty true to about our business, and um, hopefully that means we can walk away with two wins, and, and it'll be quite cool. Alrighty, so uh, what's the, what do you guys do on the eve of a test? Is it very much just a relaxed? Because you've been playing test cricket a lot now. I mean, is there? Uh, do you go through motions? Do you have routines that you go through prior to a test, or or am I just trying to make too much of this? Um, oh, look, for us, we we've had a good three days. Uh, for me, I arrived up here on Sunday, and you get most of your big big days worked on two three days out, and then the day before is just about time and making sure more mentally that you're ready to go to bring it that intensity come ball one afternoon. All right, mate. I appreciate the time. The line's pretty crappy, so I'll, I'll let you go. Best of luck tomorrow, mate. Uh, if the weather forecast, according to your your observations, is good, it should be a great first day. Uh, yeah, sweet. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. That's uh, Daryl Mitchell on a pretty crappy line, I've got to say. But uh, uh, did you garner anything out of that? He wasn't giving much away, was he, Manaya? Well, one thing that I did enjoy from that was that the sun's out at the mount. Um, as he mentioned, it does drain pretty well. Because uh, I think after the summer we've had, it's been a pretty average summer of cricket, um, particularly with the games that we had here at home. A lot of them got washed out. Then they disappear over to India, which the time zone's not ideal for us to watch. So I think uh, we we as the cricket-watching public just want games on and want to watch a few overs. So the yeah. fact that he could see them out from where he was standing, that what, fills me with hope. I wonder where he was standing. We should have asked him where he was standing, eh? Sounds like he was still at the grounds. Now, the, well, that's the thing. But the mount's like right beside him. If you, if it could be dark and you could still see the mount if that close. Um, but the conflicting evidence, uh, on the contrary, is that his <laughs> his phone line was awful. And <laughs> so, he, so maybe the cyclone's not done with interrupting our, uh, God, our sporting calendar. Was, it was a horrible line. But when you think about it, so England come in nine wins in their last ten tests. And the, the, the words being used around this England test, so I love innovative 
daring and and the line imposing their will. I, I you know, what I'm I'm not a big cricketer, right? And mm. I'm, but the way uh, let's say it, Brendan McCullum, Bazbot has change the way England are playing cricket. Yeah. It actually does get even me a little bit excited. I go, oh, I wonder what happens here. Do you do you think it's a it's a product though of so much short form cricket? Or, um, or is it just his interpretation to take that that loose attitude but but smart because he he's always about he he makes it quite clear I want players to be able to take the chance mm. but also know when to not you know go all out but I'll never be I will never criticize a player for having a crack I love that attitude I think uh, what it is well particularly the the reaction to it or the reason it's making so many waves is a function of how uh, old school cricketers particularly Test cricket which is the last and sort England. Of, and England, and uh, the way it's all about etiquette, uh, it's all about, you know, cricket is such a, you know, they wear all white. They, you know, for example, my um, partner's grandfather reckons he's the only man in New Zealand who saw Don Bradman bat in the flesh. Oh, wow. This was in like 1950-something over in Nottingham, over in mm-hmm. the UK. So I believe him, but he said that even, like back then, you weren't allowed to talk. In uh, the in the crowds, if you were a teenager, he was like a sixteen year old boy at that time, uh, and the only noise that the crowd would make is you know would be a polite clap if somebody scored a hundred, a fifty, yeah. or something like that. So much of that permeates the game still th- these days, and I think that's what's um, turned people off. And so I think it's not necessarily that the short formers uh, brought that in, like. Has changed the has, way that, has filtered in. You don't think it's filtered in? It's not necessarily that. It's just the fact that when someone actually has a crack, as opposed to playing boring cricket or batting for a draw or any of that kind of mm. thing, it makes waves because that's not the way that cricket has been done. You know, so, so, literally, so, there is a saying that's not cricket, <laughs> and and that's exactly what Bears and them are, are doing. And it, I don't think it's that revolutionary what they're doing. I just think we're so used to slow and boring cricket, and people associate that with cricket. But but surely what he is doing is somewhat re- uh, revolutionary because he's saying, go out there and not work. It's almost when I look at it, I go, these guys aren't working themselves into a set. They're going, yeah, paddock up, bang, bang, and so they're just bang, 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 and it feels like I'm watching a, a long version of a T20 game. Yes, that is definitely how they're playing. So I think that is revolutionary because they're breaking the rules and saying, you know what, maybe if we want Test cricket to survive, and I wonder if that sits in the back of a lot of people's heads because, you know, there are so many T20 leagues going around at the Mm. moment and because people want short form, bang, 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 bang. The purist in Brendan McCullum saying, well, actually, I want Test cricket to be exciting, but I, I don't want kids... To, to lose the ability to learn the skills, the yeah. basic skills of cricket, rather than go bash, bash, bash. And it is the ultimate test. That is why they call it a test. Um, it's the purest form form of the game. Uh, I've got a clip from uh, Baz from just the other day, if you'd like to hear his thoughts on his coaching. Yes, please. How important is it to have fun while playing test cricket? I think it's everything, to be honest. I mean, in any job that you do, right, you want to have fun, otherwise what's the point of doing it? And I think, you know, we get one crack at life and you've got some skills in something and you've got some aspirations and dreams in it, why would you not want to try and live those out and, and have a smile on your face while you're doing it? I think, you know, test cricket in particular is such a difficult game and and these guys have got so many options around the world now as well that it's not just about having fun on the field, it's about 
been able to create some memories and, and relationships and friendships which last well beyond um, your cricketing careers and that's that's how I like to view this this time that we've got as a team and and uh, I mean, it's not always going to be rosy but one thing you can do is keep bringing that same sort of positive attitude and, and belief and, and keep trying to look after one another and enjoy yourself. Brendan McCullum sounded a bit like a TED talk didn't it? When you think about it, you know, it's like, you know, creating memories and, uh, you know, it's not always going to work out, but you can strive through it. But it's working. I think I said to you before, earlier this afternoon, reading this fascinating article about how he was just blown away uh, by, first of all, Ben Stokes' captaincy, because he had to buy into it first. He's the leader of the group. And then how talented the England test team is, but, quote, they just had to be unlocked. And now, he said when they lost to South Africa, I think it was at Lords. he said in the, in the dressing room afterwards, uh, the speech given by Ben Stokes, you would have thought they hadn't, they hadn't lost a test. Such is the, the confidence levels of this team. And maybe he is just a master motivator. Uh, it, it definitely is. He gives people, like those batsmen go out there with all the confidence in the world. They're not scared or timid. No. I mean, even on a low level, I've been in meetings with him at this very radio station yeah. where he makes you think you can walk through walls. Seriously? You know? uh, yeah. You come out of one of those meetings and think, God, I'm, you know, we're, we're all going to take on whoever, yeah. Yeah. Howard Stern. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you're, to put, you're not allowed to have sex on air, though. That's probably the thing that Howard Stern did have. So oh, Finn better knock it on the head then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finn, <laughs> Finn, Finn, Finn Bob. Yes, uh, they, we spoke to Gary Stead. We had uh, audio of Gary Stead uh, early this week, and uh, we, he was asked about the state of world cricket. Cricket is a little bit different at the moment because all these T20 leagues uh, are popping up all around the world, and I think you've seen the emergence of another sort of three or four in, in the last five months. So to be honest, I don't know what it's going to look like in, in the future. I, I think we have to, um, as a small country like New Zealand, I think we do have to be ad- adaptable and flexible to, to the changing world. And hopefully for us, we can find a system that allows players to um, still move offshore, but also, I guess, still play the, the key matches for New Zealand. And I think both players and, and management here are still trying to work out what that looks like. You see, he talks about being flexible, flexible and adaptive, and no Trent. He was asked about Trent. That's Bolt as it is, and would you pick him or not, and was there a discussion? This is what he responded with. Everyone's been asking the question, and I guess we've got to ask you this question as well, just to be clear. How close did you come to approaching Trent Bolt to be involved? Uh, look, we've had conversations with Trent the last couple of weeks just around where he's at and, and also our stance on it as well. Um, at the end of the day, Trent turned down the, the national contract about six months or so ago now and, and has chosen to play in some of the other leagues. And our stance has always been that's that's fine and then we, we appreciate what he's done, but we also need to take priority and keep looking forward with our team as well. So... In this instance, we've we've uh, we've gone that way, but we certainly have um, considered it strongly as well. Considered it strongly, and then the previous was talking about being adaptive and and working through things. Hmm. I just wonder whether they're a bit cranky that he just turned down the contract. And, well, you, and, and you he, would be. Pardon? You would be. You, yeah. you can't you can't have someone say, "Look, I'm going to turn down the contract with you," and then uh, you know offer them a spot in the team. 
Because what precedent does that set for other, other okay, players? Because as soon as you do that... Let's, let's put this one in context about this test series. Surely any coach would love to have a nudge at the England team, the way they are playing. You'd want your best weapons available, regardless of the situation. I don't know, because the situation is that if they do bring him back in, well, then who's going to accept their next central contract? Aren't they all going to say, I'm going to do what Trent Bolt did. I'm going to duck off overseas, and I'm going to yeah. go and get... Okay. Chase the ruby. Right. Okay, but it's the way you it's the way you control the narrative. You say, in this instance, we are down on strike power, and as much as it, you know, we were disappointed that he didn't accept the central contract, we actually will give want to give ourselves a really, really good shot. But then, what does that say to someone uh, that's being brought in or someone that's up and coming? Uh, who, who's looking at that contract and said, well, I've actually signed the contract, I've turned away the big payday to stay here and play for this country, yet you're going to pick this guy ahead of me. Can you ring Mitch McLenahan, please? <laughs> can you know, Seriously, can you pick up the phone and ring Mitch McLenahan or get Mitch McLenahan to ring on 0800 150811 because he just uh, asked, uh, made a statement and I want him to make a statement and, and I want his opinion. So can you, okay. M- Mitch, get on the blind now, please? 0800 150811, I want your thoughts on this. Stephen McCarver around New Zealand and Australia on the SCN app. Time to go to the uh, long-time listener, long-time caller and one of our good mates and host here at SCNZ, Mitch McLennan, who uh, has uh, polled on and um, I'm going to say what you said, so you're going to have to answer me on this one, Mitch. Uh, we were talking about Gary Stead and I was suggesting that in one minute he's saying we have to be adaptive and flexible. Next minute, yeah, nah, we're not going to win. We thought about having... Uh, Trent Bolt, but no, and you've you've suggested maybe not the smartest thing to say. Well, just uh, well, thanks for having me, mate. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. I am a, a long time sports radio listener, mate. Uh, l- listen to it every day. Um, uh, look, mate, uh, it's pretty contradictory, right? And I think everyone's everyone's sitting behind the radio or, or on the on the app, just going, mate. Like you've said one thing in one sentence, and the other sentence you've said something else. So, look, I think we're getting closer to the truth. If I'm going to be completely honest. I think we're getting closer to figuring out what's actually happened behind the scenes between Trent Bolts and New Zealand cricket. Um, I think we're getting closer to the point where they've said that he's not going to play Test cricket while he's while he's not contracted. So, I mean, that's pretty clear. I think this is, in terms of the way New Zealand cricket work, they look for pinnacle events. And, and a Test series at home against England is, is up there with the way they're playing their cricket at the moment. I think it's up there with one of the, the highest rating events in the cricket calendar this year. So would you have picked him and said, I want you to play regardless of whether or not you have a central contract because it's England, because they're the hottest test team going around? Uh, look, absolutely. I think you've got, um, you've got Saudi, who's there, who's vastly experienced. He's, he's probably going to end up being our leading test wicket taker of all time, um, going past Richard Hadley. I think that's when he'll call time. Um, and then you've got no one else. And I, I think if you're going to bring someone else particularly with Jameson out of the picture, uh, know the Grand Home with the, with the ball in our conditions now, I really think if you're going to bring uh, debutants on and someone like Tickner, to be able to bowl when you've had Trent Bolt and Tim Southey uh, open the innings and hopefully knock a couple of wickets off, just eases that pressure at the moment. Unless Tim has an absolute blinder at the top, I, I think it's going to be uh, tough work for, for Tickner. I, I see they have named him today, Boo, um, obviously this first game. Um, I would have played him in, in Wellington. Um, I think the pink ball definitely has an advantage for guys who swing the ball, like Doug Bracewell. Um, I don't know where he's gone or, or whose uh, daughter he's uh, 
slept with, but um, I think it's, it's, he's, he, he would have been top of my list, mate. Um, so I don't know what he's done to piss off the selectors. And then Jacob Duffy's a, a genuine swing bowler and swing very good lately um, with the ball and I, domestic cricket. So he's probably at the top of the list. Or Ben Lister as well. You know, we saw first take of him, but he swings the ball prodigiously as well. Uh, Mitch, you said we're getting close to the truth. What do you want to really yep. say? Do you think there has been a falling out between Stead and Bolt? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say between Stead and Bolt. I, I just think in terms of the stance New Zealand cricket seems to have made, um, I think it seems like they've pretty much said, um, like Manai was talking about before, um, it's a precedent that they don't want to set and they're sticking to those lines. So when you hear um, someone like Stead come out and say, well, we, we feel like the landscape's changing and we need to be able to adapt with that landscape um, and we need to be able to help these guys still play for New Zealand while we'll go and do that stuff. I think um, that to me doesn't make sense. No, it makes it absolutely makes, makes no sense because then on the other hand, they don't do it. Uh, could Would Trent Bolt, if he had been selected, made a difference? Oh, I mean, I mean that's pretty bloody obvious. Oh, thanks. I mean, he's a bloody jet. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Uh, Sorry, yeah, stick, stick to your racing, McIver. Uh, no, it's pretty bloody obvious, mate. He's, he's bloody outstanding. He's, 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 the, he's the best bowler that we've had, I think, for New Zealand. Um, obviously, I, haven't, I didn't get to see Richard Hadley in his prime, um, and all, albeit it sounds like he was incredible watching some of the footage, yeah. um, and he's probably up there in par with, with wow. what I, where I put Trent Bolt. So I think he's probably the best, best bowler we've had in all formats. Um, off the bat, and I guess to touch on Manoa's point a little bit earlier, that um, you know it sets a precedent that a lot of guys are going to go and do it. I, I don't think I don't think there's anyone in New Zealand cricket who would demand the amount of money for them to turn their back on a New Zealand contract um, that Trent Bolt demands. If that makes sense, uh-huh. um, I think that's very limited the players that you would actually lose um, if you if you set that precedent yeah. now. I, I think the fear is that you're going to lose a lot of players. Um, I don't know if that'll be the case. I think the T20 circuit is very difficult. If you have one tournament where you don't perform, you're out. Um, it's a very fickle environment. So you might lose someone for a year, like your sabbatical with your All Blacks and the likes. But I'd imagine they, they would have learned a lot in different conditions and come back ready to play for New Zealand. So thinking that you're going to lose players forever, I don't think is going to be the case. It's just got to accept that, like, you may not be able to control it and you might lose one out of ten players who do it. Um, uh, so, And it's the fear of that that I think is <laughs> stopping them pulling the trigger, having yeah. Trent Bolt come back. Yeah, someone's just texted, uh, Richie has texted on the Timber Bedpost text line, double three. why can't Trent just be on a test contract? Do you think that would work? Just a test contract? Or is it just too difficult with the schedules? Well, I mean, it's something they need to explore, right? Um uh, Grant Elliott spoke about it uh, about a month ago with us on ECNZ. He said they, they do need to start looking at a contract where these guys are available for these pinnacle events and, and that they're getting remunerated that if they do have to get pulled out of one of these tournaments to come back and play, then it's still of a financial advantage to them to come back. Yeah, they might be forgoing a little bit of cash, come back and play for the country. But if there's that mutual agreement, I, I'd imagine that um, guys like Balti would still be playing. All right, fair play. Just quickly, how were how your tubs of wings on Surf Bowl Day? Because we didn't get any. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they were bloody good, actually. They were bloody good. And uh, 
even better that uh, my multi came in. Uh, pretty outrageous multi, actually. Uh, so, so you it made came it, in nicely. Did you, did, did, you, you, did did you manage to get on it? No, no, no. I was too busy, mate, driving home, doing things. I was, you know, some of us are busy, haven't got time to stuff our face for the free wings. But that's okay, mate. Oh, mate. <laughs> Appreciate no, it. No, that's good. Then the pick was pick was bloody good, mate. It was a silly half time, uh, Chiefs full time. Travis Kelsey to score and the Chiefs to win, and uh, silly the first to sixteen points. So it all came through. Oh, all right. Thanks for showing up, but thanks for just <laughs> thanks for dropping early and uh, giving me some some heaps. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate that, Mitch McLennan. It's two thirty one. Two thirty two on a Wednesday afternoon, the fifteenth of Feb for twenty twenty three. Stephen McIver in for Staffy, and uh, we head all three, and then it's uh, running it straight. And that's uh, lots to look forward to because the NRL season's not too far away. Probably a good time to have a chat to Paul Mawati from the TAB. Hey, Paul. Yes, g'day, Stephen. Yes, uh, thanks for not sending Manaya and myself any wings. Pretty upset. Uh, Thaddeus <laughs> Taylor was charged with an hour and a half to get his wings on delivery. Did not happen, so I'm holding it against you because we were supposed to talk to you yesterday, and I'm incredibly upset. Just letting you know, okay? Crikey, you two must have been the only people in SCNZ who didn't get any. Oh, so just really rub it in now. All right, <laughs> Manai, Manai, just hold that one on check. Hey, uh, mate, how, how are you? And uh, what are we what are we yak, yakking about today? Uh, well, I've heard you just mention, or well, was it straight up the gut sort of thing? So why don't we just have a look at this weekend's preseason challenge yes. in the NRL uh, and the Warriors? Uh, after that very, very good uh, performance in the first week, uh, they're six-and-a-half-point outsiders against the Melbourne Storm um, and okay. we've already had a few people jump on the Warriors plus six and a half points, and I can understand why they look very, very good. Yeah, but very, they're playing they're playing twelve year olds, so I wouldn't read anything to win into it. But I will. I think that's pretty good. Plus six and a half is not a bad not a bad number. How about some of the other games because they were all strong teams. Yeah, they certainly are. Uh, well, we kick off on Friday night with the Newcastle Knights up against the Parramatta Eels. The Knights are also six and a half point. Uh, outsiders against the Eels, um, the Roosters and the Manly Seagulls. Well, the Roosters um, with their star-studded squad, uh, they're 10.5-point favourites against the Manly Seagulls. Um, and the most popular team so far, outside of the Warriors, of course, uh, in this uh, second week of the NRL preseason challenge, is the... Um, I'm just looking down the... Booth. Oh, the Canterbury Bulldogs yes. plus three and a half. Yeah, you, so you knew how to get back. You knew how to make me feel good, didn't you? <laughs> well, if uh, if there's a team that's sort of building a a, a squad or a, a potential premiership winning squad, it's the Bulldogs. Boy, oh boy. Um, so yeah, they're still three and a half point outsiders against the Cronulla Sharks. But we have taken a wee bit of cash on them so yeah, far I looked for week at, two. I looked at that Sharks team. It's actually pretty strong. Any any other promotions you want to crank out before we uh, let you go and find us wings? Oh, I was just having a look at the Black Caps England game, um, which is supposed to start tomorrow. And I've seen a few photos out of uh, Tauranga, and they look very, very good. Yeah. So we, it uh, looks like we'll probably get away on time. At the moment, the Black Caps, they're 250 uh, to win that. Uh, first test match against the uh, Baz McCallum coached English side who are slight favourites at $2.11. The draw has now 
uh, blown out to 4.45 after being around $2.60 yesterday. So obviously those blue skies um, have, hmm. I guess, given the uh, those punters who think it this uh, test match might be all tied up, um, probably not. Certainly yeah. not the way that Baz plays the game or coaches the game. Uh, but England have been very well backed at two dollars and eleven cents. There's also a number of power plays uh, on that Test match, and I'll tell you, one of the most popular ones is the Test match to finish on day four. That's currently paying three seventy-five. That's seen quite a bit of action, and in the Black Caps top run scorer for the first innings, the three most popular players: Devon Conway at three seventy-five, uh, Kane Williamson. Is the third most popular with punters at three fifty. The second most popular, Daryl Mitchell at eight dollars. Okay, that's cool, Paul. Thanks for your time. As always, don't forget to two buckets of wings inside the next twenty minutes. Thanks, pal. Oh, I can't <laughs> believe we left you in Manaira. Oh, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Thanks, buddy. Don't forget promotions in plan. Hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R eighteen two thirty seven. Mike King from I Am Hope next. 2.42 with Stephen McIver in for Staffy. Don't forget, uh, running it straight after 3 o'clock. We had a, a text on the Timber Bedpost text line about an hour and a half ago from Brett, and he said, can, we, can you ring Mike King and have a chat to him about what's going on and how maybe I am Hope can make suggestions to help those who are struggling right now, particularly on the East Coast. And, of course, we had uh, David Latelli, the brown butter, been on before, and he was telling us about just the devastation going on in South Auckland still and, and kids and families living on wet blankets and mattresses and the whole nine yards. So we gave Mike a call, and he's, he's happily uh, on the line to have a chat. Hey, Mike, thanks for joining us. Hey, Stephen, how are you? Man, I'm good. Look, um, Mike... Uh, on our text line had one specific question and it's it's quite a big question I, I hope you can sort of give us some insight he said um, what is happiness and how do you get it? Ah now <laughs> happiness is sold by the new snake oil salesman around the world um, it is the most probably the most damaging um, the most damaging thing that we can sell our children at present mm -hmm. um because you know we're constantly telling our kids you just i just want you to be happy i just want you to be happy i just want you to be happy um and and kids if they if they're not happy if they think they're broken there must be something wrong with me when parents say to their children um in front of other people oh i just want stephen to be happy i just want to have stephen to have a good life i just want stephen to be happy what's what you think you are saying is, I just want the best for my child. I'm doing the best for my child. What your child is hearing is, I can only speak to you when I am happy. Otherwise, I'm going to disappoint you. What we need to be teaching, um, teaching people and kids is that emotions are like seasons. And so happiness is summer. But as I always say to kids, what happens if the sun shines for 365 days a year? Everything dies. Everything dies. And what we are teaching kids today, that every other season is bad and it must be summer all the time. We need to reframe how we're looking at emotions. You need to have sadness. You need to have anger. You need to have re, uh, a, a regrowth, a, a period of of change and they're all represented in the season so summer's happiness winter is sadness 
Um, autumn is that season of change and spring is that season of growth. Um, there will always be hurricanes. There will always be tornadoes and, and, and some of them will be tragic. There will be tragedy, but out of those, those tragedies, there is new growth. You grow as a person. So, um, there is no such thing as permanent happiness. We're all just struggling to do our best. We're all struggling to get through life. And, and, and I would even suggest that anyone who um, says that they are, they are happy in, in the environment that, that we're living in now with all of these tragedies going on, with people living in cars, with people starving, you're the one that needs to see a counselor. How can you possibly be satisfied with your life when there is so much um, hardship going on for other people. So my big thing is, you know, like stop looking for happiness. Happiness will find you just as as sadness and, and anger and frustration would find you. And stop running from those emotions. We have to stop running from them. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, you have to walk out in the rain to enjoy a different experience. This is part of my life cycle. This is part of the process that I'm going through. Everyone has someone in their life that they love that dies. So you've got to walk into the moment, accept what's happening, live in the here and now, and stop chasing this elusive dream that all of these snake oil salesmen are selling us now, which is happiness. So we've got lots of mums and dads that are struggling right now on the east coast of the North Island and, and in South Auckland with the, after talking to David Latelli. What one piece of advice would you give these parents to try and pass on to their children? You've, you've explained the idea of you've got to walk through it, but in the here and the now, is there any one thing you could say to a mum and dad to say, just, you know, just do this and, and just do it softly? Um, yeah, there is one thing, and it's going to sound trite, but, but it's, you know, uh, with time, if you look at it, it will help. Um, there, is a, there is a firefighter out in West Auckland who's left behind a family, who's left behind two kids. Yeah. Be grateful. Your kids are with you. Possessions can, you know, and it's horrible, possessions can be replaced. Yeah. Human life can't. So we've got to, in these times, be grateful for what we have and, and remind ourselves, and it's really hard, but remind ourselves that no matter how badly off we are, there is someone who is struggling more. And, you know, just just look at your loved ones, explain to your loved ones, you know, that your kids and your friends, you're so glad that they're all still here and we'll all work together and it will take time. It's a process, but we will all take time together and rebuild. And I, you know, I promise you at the end of that rebuild, you'll be a better human being. You'll have a better understanding of your capacity to, to withstand trauma with your capacity to deal with adversity. This is a, a growth period. This is the, you know, this is the period after the storm. So, you know, we've all got to pitch in together, and it's going to be tough. This is you can't butter, you know, you can't sugarcoat it. It's going to be mm. tough. Um, but you know, look around at the souls that are going to come in and help. There are some wonderful people, you know, like like Butterbean and and whole communities that are going to come around and rally behind you and remind you, you know, things that you've forgotten about. Remind you that we are a community and we do work 
together. You know, sometimes in the world we live, we get, we get stuck in a bubble. We're on the internet. You know, we're all absorbed in our jobs, and we forget to look out. Now is the time to look out, look around, and be grateful. Mike, beautiful words, and I think appropriately at time. I want you to do me a favour, Mike. I spoke to the Butterbean um, about an hour and a half ago. No, actually, actually, I lie. It was uh, almost three hours ago. Uh, he sounded a bit broken. I'd love you to give him a call and just check in on him. He sounded for the yeah, first he, for the first time he, in a long time. I thought he sounds just a little broken. No, it's been going on for a long, long time and we've all sat down. I'll ring him again, but we've all sat down and he just takes the weight of the world yeah. on his shoulders. It's who he is. Um, so I will reach out. I will reach out and I'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll get him back to a good place. He oh. needs to slow down there, man. Yeah, he does, mate. As always, he I appreciate... can't pre- be everything to everyone. No, he can't. That's a very good point. And as always, mate, I appreciate the time of what you were doing. And I know I Am Hope uh, uh, is an amazing, amazing organisation which has broken the rules and told everybody this is how we're going to do it we we really love you for what you do so thanks for giving us your time this afternoon mate i will see you at fight for life on march the 30th my friend all righty let's do it all right 250 mike king from i'm hope here's what happened back in the day yeah let's go february 15th 1978 and the first new zealand win over england in cricket New Zealand fast bowler Richard Hadley took 6 for 26 off 123 overs. It saw England dismissed for 64 in the first test in Wellington. England's 72 run loss was their first ever test defeat to New Zealand. Let's have a look at it again. Hadley bowling the ball. Up outside the off stump and Root not getting his feet into position. Playing away, way from the body, getting the outside edge. And Warren Lee's taking a very fine catch behind the stumps in his right hand. And don't forget, of course, the first test tomorrow. Uh, the Bay Oval. All right, 1992 this day. Uh, uh, is this right? Arsenal scored 67 goals. That sounds a hell of a lot in an 18-minute period. That looks a whole lot like a typo, doesn't that it? That looks like a hell of a typo. I would hate... I think that might be a typo. Oh, look, they, football's they scored, a blind spot to me. They could have scored uh, 67. Well, they scored six between the 71st and 89th minutes in their... Oh, 7-1 win. It was a 7-1 win. Okay. So that's a, so that, is that Finn Bob, right? So Finn Bob, okay, right. That's a black mark, right? 67 goals. I almost did, you know, the that was what you would call a Ron Burgundy moment, right? Just read what's in front of you. Mm. <laughs> Birthdays today, 1960. Would have been uh, 63 today. Uh, Jock Hobbs, All Blacks flank, one of the good guys. Uh, 1964, turning 59 today, Mark Price, the NBA guard. 1965, Craig Matthews, South African fastballer, turns 58. And Jeremy Jagger, the Czech NHL 4, I hope I got that right, turns 51 today. And on this day in 1981, the number one movie was My Bloody Valentine. And one of the happiest songs to finish the day was number one in 1981 was Dolly Parton. Nine to five. We are done, but we're back at midday tomorrow with lots more with Finn Bob, Mania, and myself, Stephen McIver. See ya. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working nine to five.